Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Guile. Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I was homesick today, but I decided that we were going to record this podcast if it was the last thing I do. I kind of feel like I survived an earthquake swarm only to face a tsunami. Wow, Charlie. Well, that's a really topical emotion to be experiencing, considering the movie that we watched, (laughs) this freaking insane, insane movie. I mean, I I loved it. I love this movie, and I can't wait to talk about it. But uh, first, we got to take a look at some pressing news this week on Rock Talk. Mazel! That's fantastic news! First piece of news that we have is that Jungle Cruise begins shooting on Monday. Uh, so we're really excited for this movie. It, it's kind of shaping up. They keep getting big-ish name actors. We have Emily Blunt um, and a couple of other people have signed on, but they begin shooting Monday. Jordan, how, are you feeling good about this movie? I'm not feeling good about this movie. Wow. I think my biggest problem is the name. I can't get behind. I can't get excited for something called Jungle Cruise. It, that means nothing to me. Yeah. I don't even know what this ride is. Um, at least like Pirates of the Caribbean, like... That at least evokes some sort of mental imagery. Like, I don't know what emotion Jungle Cruise is supposed to be making me feel. Oh, I totally get that. I am not familiar with Disney World. I've never been. Uh, but next next up, they're going to make Ferris Wheel the movie or something. <laughs> you know, I, I have faith in Dwayne, especially after uh, his last couple of movies that he's put out. We're on the upswing, so I'm feeling good about that. And the last thing that we have here is the director for Hobbs vs. Shaw was doing press for his movie that's out this weekend, Deadpool 2, and he uh, gave some thoughts on the upcoming Hobbs vs. Shaw movie. So this is David Leach we're talking about here, um, and he was asked a couple questions about Hobbs vs. Shaw. He says that we're excited about it, Dwayne's a great collaborator, uh, which could be another shot at Vin Diesel, right? Because that was the nexus of their beef, about how Vin Seriously. Diesel did not want to collaborate. I love getting this kind of a quote from the director in a Fast and Furious spinoff. Like this, I I 100% agree with you. I think that's a direct shot at Vin and Dwayne's relationship. And it probably says a lot about how well Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson are working together. Yeah, for sure. And he says that we really want to expand on Hobbs and Shaw's relationship and their conflict. We're looking to build out our own universe and keep in the spirit of Fast. And the things that people love about Fast, but definitely give it its own identity. First off, we're probably not going to see a ton of driving. Absolutely agree. I bet we get something a little more like crime thriller, like so, like a little more like cop, like cop oriented or something. Like oh. I don't know. I don't think that we're going to get a typical Fast and Furious movie in any sense. Oh man. Well, I'm thinking it's going to be more like the Transporter movies, um, mm. although there's driving there, but. I think it's just going to be more hand-to-hand combat rather than car chases. But I would like to see some detective work. Detective Daddy Dwayne Johnson would be nice. Ooh, Detective Daddy Dwayne Dilphy Johnson Jingerheimer Schmidt. we got to add that to the bumper sticker we're eventually going to make. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's all we got for news this week. Uh, So we should probably get into discussing this amazing movie. That's right, Charlie. It's time to talk about San Andreas, which means it's time for Daddy to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. 
Today we're taking a look at San Andreas. It's the 2015 action-adventure thriller uh, directed by Br Brad Payton. Um, Brad Payton, if you're familiar with the name at all, it might be because he directed uh, Rampage, which we just took a look at. And he's also directed uh, another Dwayne Johnson movie we have not covered yet called Journey to the Mysterious Island. So we'll have to get to that one. But Brad Payton is kind of a familiar character in the Dwayne Johnson universe. Uh, the movie co-stars Alexandria, Alexandra Daddario and Carla Gugino. Uh, and Charlie, I th we had just been talking. I think that Carla... Gugino, she's been in actually a few movies. And actually, Alexandra Daddario yep. has as well. These are both like, this is like a Dwayne Johnson all-star cast. It's kind of like Quentin Tarantino. He keeps casting the same people over and over. That's what they're doing in the Dwayne Johnson movie universe. <laughs> I like it. I Honestly, the acting, I think that the casting and the acting in this movie was pretty solid. And I can't wait for these people to keep getting cast in Dwayne Johnson movies. Yeah. I, I like a recurring cast of characters. Um, America liked the people in this movie too, with a budget of $110 million, San Andreas brought in over 475 million bucks around the world. So quite a hefty profit for what is basically like kind of a campy environmental thriller. Yeah. I mean, $110 million for a movie that is basically all CGI isn't that bad. I was looking at CGI type movies that flopped way harder than this. Like the Valerian movie cost $250 million to make. Ugh, and this has just as much CGI in it. Although it sounds like it was much more enjoyable. But uh, yeah, I mean, everyone seems like they love this movie as much as we did. So let's just get into this movie with a little plot summary to kind of set the scene. And then we'll kind of give you our thoughts uh, going through kind of from the top to bottom here. California is experiencing a statewide earthquake that goes on record as easily the biggest earthquake in history. Dwayne Johnson plays Ray Gaines, a helicopter rescue pilot for the Los Angeles Fire Department, trying to find his daughter Blake, who is somewhere in San Francisco amidst the chaos. Ray's estranged wife, Emma, is forced to turn to Ray for help as he is her last resort to both stay alive herself and rescue their daughter, Blake. Together, they journey into San Francisco to save their daughter. Charlie, just right off the bat, Ray Gaines. The only time that we have ever mentioned Ray Gaines on this show is in an earlier episode when we talked about, we did a bracket, basically, of which version of Dwayne Johnson uh, would basically be the most formidable. Yeah, and... After watching this movie, I forgot where we put Ray Gaines, but uh, I feel like he was somewhere in the middle, uh, and I would probably bump him up a few rounds because literally nothing can stop this guy in this movie. Seriously, this character is a survivor. <laughs> like, I, we've seen Dwayne Johnson go through a lot of stuff in a lot of different movies. In this one, he's not necessarily fighting, you know, like military personnel or or gangsters or not or having giant a monsters bullets. like in rampage <laughs> right flying wolf mutants but this guy like survives the craziest natural disaster sequences a plane crash constant like constantly being thrown around during earthquakes tsunamis and how does he i mean the extent to which he knows what to do in every single scenario is remarkable it's it's his sense of direction is impeccable. <laughs> yes. I think that's what it is cuz he always seems to know exactly where to go. But the setup for this is he's a Los Angeles firefighter 
and his daughter and his ex-wife's boyfriend are in San Francisco on a trip doing something and the earthquakes start and they're really bad in San Francisco, right? So he's right. got to make his way to save his daughter in San Francisco. I, I'm glad that we've given kind of a basic overview here because I'd like to point out that nothing that we've said so far has even mentioned the fact that Paul Giamatti is also in this movie and also <laughs> has his own like his own plot line that really is is so so separate from everything Dwayne Johnson does completely separate and I would say if it wasn't for Paul Giamatti being Paul Giamatti in this role I would say leave it out but it's he's kind of fun to watch um so Paul Giamatti plays a seismologist who's working with a team of people to learn how to predict earthquakes and just by happenstance, they finally cracked the code on the eve of these giant earthquakes. Yeah, but not before his his uh, partner gets brutally killed at like, the Hoover Dam. That's when. So that's when I knew it's 15 minutes into this movie. Paul Giamatti is studying some earthquake at the Hoover Dam. His partner gets impaled by like a rusty pole and then Rebar, rushed yeah. to sea in front of a little girl. And I was like, oh my god, like. This movie is going to be awesome. <laughs> That's like my third note that I did. I said, this movie is not screwing around. <laughs> yeah. Well, it basically from that point on, because up until now, we're still sort of learning about Dwayne Johnson's relationship with his daughter, what the relationship with the ex-wife and the new boyfriend is. Suddenly, this movie like ramps up to 100 and it <laughs> never stops. It is relentless. Uh, but the Paul Giamatti stuff... I, I thought, oh my gosh, all right, so we're learning so much about him, his research, all this stuff, his sort of side of this story, and eventually he and The Rock are going to, their storylines are going to converge, and uh, that'll, you know, that would be some decent writing. That does not happen in this movie. It just never happens. You know, Paul Giamatti's storyline does not factor into Dwayne Johnson's whatsoever. Nothing that he does affects the rock at all in this movie you could have two different movies there could have been a whole movie about paul giamatti as like this struggling seismologist at some university and like no one respects his work and then finally gets the chance to like save the day like and then you have dwayne johnson doing this like rescue mission like i could see both of these movies being fleshed out but at the end of the day paul giamatti's bit kind of just felt like randomly tacked on it seems like there was some stuff that they cut from the movie. Maybe there was some extra uh, plot stuff there. But uh, you mentioned that we, ha- you know, we're learning a lot about Ray Gaines's family life and his situation, and they get through that so quickly because everybody's dialogue is so expository. Like Ray, you knew this was the day she was going to move in to her new. <laughs> place at college or something like that and it's he's like well since you kicked me out a year ago i haven't been able to (laughs) you know it's just constant dialogue like that and this may sound like i'm criticizing it i am not no it's because i didn't want them to waste an extra second on any of it they they sped through it with such immediacy it's as if the movie itself knew you're not here to learn about this like new boyfriend you're here to get to Dwayne Johnson dealing with some earthquakes yeah yeah but I will say it's efficient because we don't spend much time on it but I do think it's pretty effective uh I think the secret MVP of this movie is Alexandria Daddario 
I thought totally. that she is a she's a strong character. She's constantly saving the lives of other people around her. She knows what to do. She's not a damsel. And I thought it was great. Yeah. From the first minute that her character meets this sort of cute boy in the lobby of one of the buildings uh, to the moment where she's stuck in a car underground after an earthquake is hit, I still sort of thought like, oh, geez, we're going to get stuck with this very typical damsel in distress role. But it becomes apparent from the moment she's freed from the car that she has more survival skills than any other person besides Dwayne Johnson in this movie. And it's awesome. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that. Uh, (laughs) But to go back to how this movie kicks off, in 24 hours, this is Ray Gaines's day. Because I wrote this as a note, because it's a pretty big day. Uh, while Paul Giamatti discovered that now he can predict earthquakes, same day, uh, The Rock has to, he has like the crazy rescue in the ravine, rescuing the woman or the girl who flew off the cliff and is stuck on the side of the cliff. So he has that, where he has to, I guess, rappel down the side of the cliff, which apparently he really did. The director oh, really? him. Yeah, yeah. He really wanted him to, uh, they didn't want to do any cuts between the two shots. So that is great, but it did give us a weird sight, which is Dwayne Johnson in a harness. Yes. Nobody looks good in a harness, but. All strapped up and bunched up. (laughs) Anyway, so he has that crazy rescue. Then he's late to like help his daughter move to college and then they have to cancel that. And then he gets his divorce papers (laughs) in the mail that same day. I mean, that is a long day. That's a hard day. Now, why does Carla Gugino, like, why did they ever break up? Ray Gaines seems to be an amazing person. So that's, I have a similar problem with that. It seems as if they broke up because he couldn't get over the, also, also they had another daughter who apparently right. died and Dwayne Johnson was able, unable to save her from drowning. So. And he uh, couldn't open up about it. That was one thing that was big. But, like, I guess they never talked about it. But that's. To me, a really like that's a that's a big leap to go from losing your daughter together to then getting divorced. It just seems like I think something else in the middle is missing there. Yeah, very clearly. But like I said, this movie doesn't waste time with that stuff, but it is efficient because we we care, or at least I did. I cared about the father daughter relationship there, despite the fact that Dwayne Johnson does not look nearly old enough to be her dad. No, I have that too. It's so there is an uncomfortable closeness in age between well, because Dwayne we saw Baywatch where they are peers <laughs> where they play peers on the Baywatch team and she's sort of like sexed up like she's supposed to be like the sex figure of that movie uh and yeah it's so weird but if you look at their actual age difference it's 14 years so it's not with that you know it's she's well all right well, another well. <laughs> alexander Dario does not pass for like 18 or 20 no, or however it's she's a, supposed it's to a be. incorrect yeah she, what is she like she's like a freshman going into college or something like yeah that does not add up i at some point i wrote this note down this movie seems like it cast all cw actors <laughs> because everybody is too old to be how old they are and they are too attractive to be normal people yeah this was like the entire cast of riverdale was just inserted <laughs> in this movie with Dwayne Johnson. What did you also, think about... Also, not a bad movie, if they actually did that. Wow, seriously, give me a Dwayne Johnson-Riverdale crossover episode. <laughs> um, what did you think of of the, 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 the mom's new boyfriend, Daniel? So at first, uh, Blake, which is Alexander Daddario's character, 
Blake seems to hate him. And I wrote this note down, like, I don't see why he's such a bad guy. Uh, he's rich. He seems to be good to Carly Gugino. He's nice to her. He has a whole he, bit about saying, like, I'm not going to replace your father. Yeah. Just, okay. <laughs> but he does say stuff like this. So he's, uh, I guess, like a world famous, very rich architect oh. <laughs> uh, or building developer. And on the private jet to San Francisco, he, he talks about how, you know, he's they haven't connected yet because he's never had kids. He doesn't know how to deal with it. And he says... I guess I never had kids because I was too busy raising these buildings. And like holds up the little picture. It's so yeah. gross. That is the that is but probably he's the making cringiest an effort, thing, right? And she is not. She doesn't like it. Now, granted, when stuff starts going sideways, he totally ditches her. And but he gets hit on the head, so you don't know if he's like all no, the way there. No, <laughs> no. Okay, don't try and excuse. I am here to stand him. up for Riddick. No. Daniel, He's doing the best he, he can. Was, this, okay, this guy is a scumbag. This guy, <laughs> he literally abandons his girlfriend's daughter in a parking garage. Stories, multiple stories underground in an earthquake. That's like the worst. That is so evil. But What, what is, is it supposed to do? He went to go get help? Well, that, yeah. yeah well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> Until he got hit on the head. Like I said, he. I feel like there was a personality change there. I mean, he straight up, there actually may have been because he straight up like murders multiple people while he's escaping later in the movie. He like pulls the one dude away from the wall into the like incoming debris and straight up kills him. (laughs) (laughs) But this guy, he turns bad so quickly because up to this point, he is just trying his hardest to be a good stepdad. Yeah. Um, But that's, but but I'm glad that we, you said it because like literally. This is all maybe the first 15 minutes of the movie. Every Everything that we've said so far, first 15 minutes of this movie. And well, then, and then this... we cut back to the science of it all. Yeah. Uh, get me right? back to the earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love how they this movie acts like Los Angeles and San Francisco are cl- like, right, close. Are like right next to each other. Yeah. There's n- the geography... It's like a seven-hour car ride or something. Especially, this is this was, this was so infuriating, especially because we get like a five-minute sequence of Paul Giamatti going ham on some map with a Sharpie, like drawing different fault lines and like, it connects here and it moves up to here. This is, it's, and then he like looks at the camera's like, and it's all one big fault line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Paul Giamatti has the best line in this movie. Um because he said he realizes that these earthquakes are coming. It's just not just one earthquake, but a swarm of earthquakes that precedes like the world's biggest earthquake. Anyway, um, they are in the middle. Of course, they're in the middle of a TV interview. Uh, <laughs> a, sorry, a live TV interview. Okay, that's okay. All right. So this box. This, <laughs> this was so confusing. <laughs> so it's a live broadcast where they go out to the field for an interview, not between the anchors. And the subject of the interview, but the anchors are talking to the reporter who is then interviewing Paul Giamatti. So the reporter here is just wasting time. The anchors could just directly ask him these questions, but that's not what they do. Anyway, that's just a weird and TV also, news. also, why did they hack? What were they hacking? That was later. That was later. We oh. can get to that. <laughs> Serious problems with that. But this is before the earthquakes start. So he is in the middle of his TV interview, and he realizes that these earthquakes are coming. And the TV reporter goes, who should we call? And Paul Giamatti <laughs> looks straight down the barrel of the lens and says, everybody. <laughs> Which is not helpful. It's, that doesn't make any sense. 
Give give a direction. <laughs> oh my Everybody. god. But that's what Paul Giamatti is here to do. Deliver lines like that. Also, the seismologists or whatever have to be ex- like Paul Giamatti has to explain to them how the Richter scale works. Yeah, hey, that was dummy. If you have this job, you should know how the Richter scale like, works. Is this just the scrubbiest group? Like what? I'm so I was so confused. It seemed like he was teaching everyone about earthquakes. He was saying well, like these are fault lines. Like oh my god. <laughs> but one of the guys, or at least they should be higher level because one of these guys literally gives his life. For yeah. the research. Oh, geez, that's your nobody seems phased that like that's Paul Jemai's like best friend and mentee is dead. And straight up dead. No one seems to really be processing that. It only matters in the first ten minutes of the movie, <laughs> then we're moving on. Oh god. I, all right. So let me ask you a question. Did it seem like cell phone reception was uneven in this movie? Like sometimes they could use cell phones, sometimes they said no, we can't. I was I was very perplexed. I'm very glad you bring this up because the cell phone use was very suspect. When Alexandra Daddario's character is stuck underground, trapped in the garage after this first quake hits. Which would be the least likely place to get a cell phone signal out. Not only are cell phone towers down, you are stories under the ground. And everyone is, I mean, I've been in like crisis situations before. In Boston, when the Boston Marathon bombings happen, you cannot make a phone call within the first 10, 15 minutes because it's overloading the service, the, the cell towers. There's no You can't way. do it if you go to a baseball game downtown. <laughs> right. right. So this, she, Blake is conceivably four stories underground post-earthquake, millions of people all trying to call their loved ones. And it is like the only phone call that is successful in this entire movie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that at all. Dwayne Johnson and Carlo Gugino... So he rescues Carla Gugino off of a rooftop in Los Angeles, right? That's what happens? Yes. Yeah, he saves her after she she's like having like some interview or something in like a restaurant on the top floor of a hotel or something, some building. And I then, thought that that sequence was crazy. Yeah. Okay. The CGI of every single destruction sequence was so incredible. And this one, it felt, it reminded me of the Titanic a little bit with like, like the dinner, like it looked like a like a dining hall being destroyed. Like I was getting these weird like like Titanic vibes, and she's running up to the roof when everyone else is running down. Yeah, and well, I mean, yeah. this movie could not have been made ten years earlier because the well, not to bring up nine eleven, but the nine eleven parallels are very uh, evident here. We've now hit uh, the Boston Marathon bombings and nine eleven. Within this episode, so just stay tuned to see what, 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 what terrible terrorist attack we will up. talk about. Damn. But you're right. Join I mean, us next week when we talk about the Paris shooting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I thought it, I mean the CGI was was good, and it just it surprises me that oftentimes CGI is so bad. Like if you like this movie shows that you can do it in a believable fashion. Yeah, I would even go as so far as to say that the CGI in this movie looked better it, in a lot of moments, better than Rampages did. And yeah. I thought like, and that's, I mean, that's that's a brand new movie. But this this movie looked like it had, like, it was almost like day after tomorrow size events. It was, it was just as artfully done as you could do natural disasters, but it looked, it looked like kind of real. It was, 
on a huge scale. And it was so much fun to watch. And it was. I mean, they put you right in this terrifying situation. I felt, I mean, I felt genuinely like a little bit like sweaty and like, oh, I was on the edge of my seat. Yes, there was real anxiety, especially when, you know, we go from like biggest earthquake in recorded history to then in to then a literal sequence of Dwayne Johnson, Carla Gugino in a boat driving directly into a tsunami. Okay. So <laughs> apparently <laughs> My I was looking God. At trivia to this movie. So when Dwayne Johnson went on like the press tour and everything, he talked so much about how we brought in scientists to make sure that all the science was accurate. And so some newspaper contacted one of the scientists, he said, and said, well, did that actually happen? They said, well, we told them and they did whatever they wanted with it. <laughs> so, And so the most unbelievable thing that happens in this movie, something that's like impossible, besides the fact of like a 9.5 and the San Andreas Fault, like it's not capable of producing one that big. Anyway, uh, the fact that a tsunami would be like, destroying the same city that an earthquake did because the tsunami is caused by the earthquake but it goes the other direction really yes so it so in theory this would it would be shooting out across the pacific yeah it would be hitting japan so this is japan's problem in real life well not in this movie but yes the tsunami would not be hitting uh san francisco at all one of the things that i but thought that thank they did, god that it did thank god that it did because <laughs> i really enjoyed it uh I, I enjoyed that like this movie is like broken up in like very much like land and sea yes you and, know, the sky. First two, and, and sky and sky <laughs> we hit them all another rampage parallel here is that dwayne johnson once again survives <laughs> a helicopter crash that should have brutalized him should everyone in this movie should have died every main character should be dead everyone in san francisco should be dead but but they yeah. but no one does and when they do get hurt it's for such a quick moment in time it's moved past immediately awesome a- alexander dardo's boy toy gets like a huge shard of glass oh in his oh. knee and then like two scenes later he's like carrying around his little brother by the way that scene was a problem for me when she had oh, to with her bare yeah. hands we watch her with her bare gross in the dirty, dirty hands oh it's all dirty <laughs> And she pulls, we watch her pull out this like, like seven inch shard of glass. We see it sliding out. It's, it's awful. That was, I have to say this movie, there's a lot of violence, a lot of deaths. That almost was my breaking point right then. I almost had to (laughs) to end it. And for all the deaths that we see in this movie, there's not a whole lot of gore. Uh, I guess that's why they were able to keep it PG-13. The destruction, and I mean, it's effective without using that kind of stuff. Well, because it's, I mean, it's harrowing, like... It 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 I it's really hard to explain if you haven't seen it, but a lot of times when you see a disaster movie and buildings are getting destroyed or there's you know water like like I thought the flooding sequences from the tsunami were really effective. Sometimes you see these in movies and it kind of looks like a video game, but this to me like kind of like in a startling way felt like really true to life in a weird way. It was I, I thought it was very well done. Yeah, and and one thing. It, it's like um, Chekhov's Golden Gate Bridge, right? So it's like the thing where it's like, if you see a gun in a movie, that gun has to go off. And that's what they did with, <laughs> with the Golden Gate Bridge here. They kept showing it still intact. And you knew that thing was going to come down. And I thought the way that they did it with the big uh, uh, tanker crashing into it during the tsunami was like a really inventive way 
of of doing it. Yeah, something that we haven't seen before. Yeah, it was totally new. Again, I mean, it it did just add to like the very dramatic death toll in this movie because there were like hundreds of cars on that bridge. Um, but yeah, it was a again like this movie like kept doing sort of innovative things when I wasn't expecting it to do anything like that. Um, it kept having these action sequences and these disaster shots that I've never seen before in a movie. So yeah. I was really impressed. Yeah, for sure. Um, and before we talk about the end of this movie, why don't we go through Dwayne Johnson and Carlo Gugino's trip from L.A. to San Francisco? Like, all the stuff that they had to do just to get to San Francisco. Uh, they get in a helicopter crash. Then they hotwire a car. Oh, when that I, was weird. That whole yeah, part was weird. So it, apparently stealing cars is fine for Dwayne Johnson as long as whoever you're staring, stealing it from is looting TVs. Well, that was there was like massive looting happening immediately, which I thought yeah. was just weird. Like gunshots, like it was total like Mad Max within three minutes of the first <laughs> earthquake. Oh, for sure. Anyway, so yeah, he gets held at gunpoint, but obviously, you know, he beats up the guy and whatever. Uh, then they drive, they're on their way, and they come across the actual San Andreas Fault, and they can't get over it, but instead, just thanks to some good old boy who happened to be wearing a hat, is able to find, <laughs> um, and stealing this airplane as well, they steal an airplane, and then skydive awesome. into San Francisco. Awesome. And the point where I just laughed and laughed and laughed at something that wasn't like supposed to be funny was when they when he goes, we're gonna land in AT and T Park, <laughs> <laughs> not the baseball field. Like nobody would call it AT and T Park. There was a lot of product placement in this movie. There's that. There's Dodge Ram. All the pickup trucks were yeah. Multiple Shell gas stations. Um, oh, yeah, like there was stuff that. all over the place in this movie. It was it was super obvious. Yeah. But we also got a pretty good skydiving sequence from Dwayne Johnson. I thought, you know, they were kind of up close on his face. So I don't think that he did the stunts. But however they covered it with CGI, I thought was effective. Yeah. And they land in, like you said, AT&T Park. Where and they... do you know what the line is when he lands? No, no. Give it to me. Oh, we should just play it. Yeah. Let me, uh, let, let's cue it up. It's been a while since I got you to second base. <laughs> so how about that for a one-liner? I know we don't do the uh, rock talk superlatives anymore, but that's a pretty darn good one. Jeez, and the way they look at each other after he says that, like, oh. I kind of, I was sort of turned on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that their chemistry is really good. Yeah. Oh, in this mo- I believe that these two people are together. Like from the minute, from the, honestly, the moment that he rescues her, it's like, Oh, <laughs> like, right. These guys are in love still. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's just too much history. I knew those crazy kids would make it, uh, <laughs> but going back to why they divorced, we get a little flashback. The only flashback in the entire movie, we get a flashback at, uh, of the rafting accident that killed their daughter. Yeah. Very <laughs> upsetting. Well, I thought it was so weird and bizarre and cheesy that, like, I don't know. It's like 
um, in Team America when he talks about how his whole troop got killed by monkeys. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> so that's to, okay. That's right. I thought it was like, see, I thought it was campy. That was where I was like, oh, like I thought they were playing up almost like a soap opera y. Yeah, that's kind how of it felt, here. and I'm 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 all for it, but it's still like unintentionally funny. Uh, but yeah, she just dies in a rafting accident. Like, I don't know. I feel like Dwayne Johnson's character could have had more flaws. Like, what if he was like an alcoholic and was drunk behind the wheel with his daughter in the car? Then he would really have a reason to blame himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was it was very hard getting behind like how tortured he made himself feel like I couldn't understand. I still, I know we talked about at the beginning. I still can't figure out how this could have driven a wedge between him and, and Carla Gugino's character. Like I'm not that, that to me doesn't exactly add up, but you know, this right. movie doesn't want you to focus on any of that. Not necessarily. Uh, but he makes up for it by rescuing Blake and in an, a scene that I actually kind of like, I kind of wanted to tear up a little bit. Okay. So you wanted to tear up. I was actually very uncomfortable. I thought this was another moment that the movie got really like, she graphically drowns. Yeah. And I don't know if I've ever seen a drowning depicted like, like this, like, like swallowing water. Like it was very clearly like, like convulsing, like uh-huh. weird underwater death rattle. It was like, I was like, Again, Underwater movie, Death like, Rattle is an amazing punk band name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be what... That'll, after we're done with, with Rock Tog. Yeah, we'll, we'll make tour the country as Underwater Death Rattle. Uh, I don't know. I, I What didn't work for you, I thought really worked for me. It was. It was harrowing. And we got to see Dwayne Johnson. After he finally pulls her uh, out of the water and she is drowned, trying to revive her for a long time. And at one point, he gives up. And yeah, I you, thought that was effective, this yeah, entire CPR sequence. The whole reviving scene, I thought, was very, very good. And, like, I don't know. It, it really got to me in a way that I was not expecting from this kind of movie. Yeah, especially the only audio we're getting is, like, the sound of his hands making compressions on her chest. Like, it actually, again, for this was another sort of, not the innovative isn't the word, but a really interesting, like, stylistic choice um, that I, I didn't see coming. And I, I completely agree. It was extremely effective and i actually i actually thought for a moment we were gonna that we were actually gonna lose blake in this movie and then you know but i guess (laughs) i'm i'm positive dwayne johnson had a role in writing the ending of this movie too (laughs) well well maybe i don't know one thing that this movie has is i mean it's a straightforward story you know they don't get off on these weird side things or uh, they don't have too much to explain like in rampage you got to get the the monsters uh under the serum or whatever this movie is just it's literally about a guy rescuing his daughter from a from an earthquake and it's better off for it and it i i agree and you know of course he eventually saves her we get this like very dramatic finale where he's like staring off into the they're all staring off into the sunset overlooking the wreckage of san francisco i he says this one thing at the end Charlie, that you you might have caught where he, the the last line is he goes now we rebuild, yeah. Which I kind of I I that when I saw it I said you know wow they're this is a sequel they're putting it up for a sequel, and we found out Charlie when we were looking at the the director page at the IMDb there San Andreas two has been announced yeah so, 
and they're he's going to be dealing with the Ring of Fire. So we're probably going to get like huge oh. volcano explosions. Oh, awesome. I don't know. Here's the thing. I was like, I'm down for like a Dwayne Johnson fireman movie. Like he, to me, I buy him as a fireman. Somebody that built. Uh, yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I want to see more of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and he can honestly, in at least in this movie, he just he showed that he can display like the emotional chops that you'd want from a fireman in certain situations. Like it wasn't just him wrecking through different situations. Like he sort of added this gravity that, at least from the first ten minutes, I did not anticipate us getting. But he was actually a really like nuanced, interesting character. Um, not necessarily like given a lot of depth, but the emotional display that Dwayne Johnson puts on was actually pretty compelling. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And when we talk about how compelling Dwayne Johnson is, it means it's time to do one thing, and that is the Franchise Viagra test. Franchise Viagra. (laughs) And the Franchise Viagra test is split up into three tenets, and those tenets are hard work, charisma, and physique. Jordan, I mean, top to bottom, I think we're going to pass all three of these. I mean, hard work. He was doing his own stunts a lot of times. He was really rappelling down, you know, down the cliff at the beginning, which is something that we don't get a lot. Uh, and I thought that he was working hard to to uh, really bring an emotional arc to his character. So passes there. Charisma. I thought he was pretty charismatic. I mean, the second baseline, nobody else could get away with that, right? Yeah, I think that was a, that's a, that's a Dwayne Johnson exclusive and i think that his charisma shined in this movie in a way that maybe we don't always see this was like peak like dad dwayne johnson charisma not like dad being funny but like dad in the sense that you knew he was gonna get the job done you knew he was gonna go save his his daughter like there was like a a sense of security that was just emanating from him at every time in this movie right and and once again the father of of daughters I don't think yep. we've seen a single movie where he has had a son, have we? Um, I don't. I don't believe so. I don't He's believe had so. surrogate sons, like in uh, Gridiron Gang, but uh, I would argue that it's not as effective. For, for some reason, the uh, dynamic between Alexander Daddario and Dwayne Johnson, which initially I thought there's no way they're going to pull this off, turned out to be very effective, and I, I totally bought it. And last, we get physique. We don't get shirtless Dwayne Johnson at all in this movie, do we? Uh, no. no, we But do we not. get plenty of sweaty Dwayne Johnson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we get swimming Dwayne Johnson. He has really good swimming for him. Yeah, he looked great underwater. Yeah, and we, um, he's really good in the water. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a side that we I've never seen from him. I guess in maybe Baywatch, but I thought it was better here. So, top to bottom, pass, pass, pass. I would see the sequel. I'm excited they're going to make the sequel. And I'm sure that you and I will be there opening day. Now, Charlie, this uh, we, we obviously both enjoyed this movie. Um, but when it comes to ranking it, there is, a, there is a difficult decision to be made. Do you have a sense of where you would rank San Andreas in your Dwayne Johnson movie rankings? I mean, I have a sense. I haven't really put too much thought into it. I know it's going to go in my top ten. Uh, and right now, my 10th is Hercules, which obviously goes above that. Does it go above Pain and Gain at number 7? Or Central Intelligence at number 6? Oh, it's going to be tough for me, but I think I'm going to have to put it after Pain and Gain. So this is my new number 8 favorite 
rock talk movie that we've done. Wow, cracking the top ten. Yeah, I, mean, I you know I I was looking at the rundown and Moana at four and five, but I I could not could not do it. So I'm actually going to put this um, a little bit higher than you, Charlie. Um, I I've loved this movie. I loved it. I would watch this movie like like with with an incredible frequency. Um, and I found it, even though it wasn't funny, usually the Dwayne Johnson movies that I want to keep seeing, it's this mix of action and humor. This didn't really have that, but the action I found so compelling that I could see myself watching this late at night on any given weekend if I have nothing to do, which let's, let's be real is most weekends. Um, so for me, the conversation, it also does involve pain and gain. Um, it involves pain and gain and Jumanji and Fast Five. Now, wow, that's wait, my that's wait, Fast Five? Yeah. So Fast Five is my number two uh Dwayne Johnson movie. Wow. Jumanji is my number three, Pain and Gain's my number four. And Charlie, I'm gonna have to make this above Jumanji. It doesn't quite beat Fast Five, but I am sliding this. I thought Jumanji was gonna be the best Dwayne Johnson movie I saw this year. Um uh, that's no longer the case. San Andreas is moving above Jumanji, below Fast Five to be my new number three Dwayne Johnson movie of all time. Wow, that that's great. And honestly, I'm I'm glad to hear that because as we get down to these, you know, last few, you know, four or five or six movies that we have not covered on this podcast yet, I was not like really thinking that we we're going to get any all-timers. So this is really great news. That just about does it for us at Rock Talk. Thank you again for listening to our show. Uh it means so much to us that you keep tuning in week after week. If you haven't yet though, uh, and shame on you if you haven't. Please follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Facebook.com, at Facebook.com slash RockTalkPod. You can find us at Twitter, uh, at RockTalkPod. And you can also search for us on Instagram. And we're there at, at RockTalkPod as well. And please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. It's the number one way you can support Rock Talk and jabronis like us. Join us next week as we take a look at a topical Rock Topic of the Week on our mini-episode. We'll see you next time, jabronis. Jabronis.